Somebody has said that the gospel is one beggar telling other beggars where to find food. And we're going to read about that in 2 Kings chapter 7. 2 Kings chapter 7. The people in the city of Samaria were facing a, a dire situation indeed because of famine. The enemy had surrounded the city and imposed a very uh, vicious embargo. But the Lord was going to work. So we break in at chapter 7 and verse 1. Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says about this time tomorrow. I see a flower will sell for a shekel, and two seers of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. The officer on whose arm the king was leaning said to the man of God, Look, even if the Lord should open the floodgates of the heavens, could this happen? You will see it with your own eyes, answered Elisha, but you will not eat any of it. Now there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate, they said to each other, Why stay we here until we die? If we say we will go into the city, the famine is there, and we will die. And if we stay here, we will die. So let's go over to the camp of the Arameans and surrender. If they spare us, we live. If they kill us, then we die. At dusk they got up and went to the camp of the Arameans. When they reached the edge of the camp, not a man was there, for the Lord had caused the Arameans to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army. So they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite and the Egyptian kings to attack us. So they got up and fled in the dusk and abandoned their tents and their horses and donkeys. They left the camp as it was and ran for their lives. <coughs> The men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp and entered one of the tents. They ate and drank and carried away silver, gold and clothes and went off and hid them. They returned and entered another tent and took some things from it and hid them also. Then they said to other, and this is the verse we'll focus on, <clears throat> We are not doing right. This is a day of good news. And we are keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. So they went and called out to the city gatekeepers and told them. And they recount what they had seen. And the report got to the king. And uh, search was made and found it was to be as the men had reported. So verse 16 then the people went out and plundered the camp of the Arameans. So a seer of flour sold for a shekel and two shekels of barley sold for, two, two seers of barley sold for a shekel as the Lord had said. A grim situation indeed for these people as they had really brought it upon themselves of course because they had wandered far from God and God was punishing them as Indeed, he had indicated he would do when they strayed from the way that he had set out for them. <clears throat> but once again, in his compassion and his mercy, he was intervening here 
and he dealt with the enemy in this dramatic fashion that we've been reading about here. So, we find that things were dire indeed, uh, but these four men took the initiative and decided to go out and really, I suppose, hope for mercy from the enemy that had surrounded the camp. But instead of that, they discovered that God had dealt with the enemy. They had gone and they went into a tent and made some discoveries that were to be very beneficial to them. And uh, they made the most of it. I'm not sure how wise they were in what they did. Uh, there you see that uh, they ate and they drank. I don't know, I remember, I think it was Mr. Horn or somebody telling us about the experiences of those who had been in prison because they were conscientious objectors during the First World War. And uh, some uh, relatives had met a train as it was passing through and gave them some rich food. But they hadn't been enjoying rich food in the jail and it had a negative impact on their, on their digestive systems. So I was smiling at this myself as I pictured these four men indulging themselves to the full. I thought they'd never seen food like that before. And uh, the Bible doesn't tell us whether it had a negative impact on them or not. But uh, that's what happened to the situation there. So they indulged themselves... And then we've read there that uh, they did the same second time. And uh, they carried off silver, gold and clothes and went and hid them. So they were not only thinking of the immediate situation, they were looking forward to a future. They thought, we'll store up stuff that will be available to us in the future. But then, having done all this, they made another discovery in verse 9. Their consciences pricked them and they decided that they really had to do something about this. We don't do well. We are, this is a day of good tidings and we, we keep quiet. We've got to go and tell the message to others. And it's noticeable that they did say if we wait till, more, till daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. Why was it so urgent? The point there was, of course, that uh, lives were at stake. People were dying of starvation in the city. And uh, the sooner they got the news that there was food available, the better for them. So they went and reported, and the benefit was seen by the city. The city was liberated, and people were able to buy <coughs> food. And uh, lives were spared as a result. The spiritual parallel is very clear to us all, of course. We look around us in the world we're living in today and we would admit, we would say, confess freely, it's a dire situation, spiritually speaking. Sadly, it's a dire situation, physically speaking, too, for many people in many parts of the world. But we're just trying to draw a spiritual lesson out of this and we think of the, the spiritual death of our world today. I think we're becoming more aware of it as we see what's happening to a country that was once favoured, blessed with the preaching of the gospel and many people following the Lord Jesus, believing in him and following him. And it's the old saying, nature abhors a vacuum and we're seeing what's happening as people get further and further away from God and his word 
and the standards that are set for us in the scriptures, we are seeing other things intruding and they will continue to do so. How we long to see a mighty working of the Holy Spirit turning men and women back to the Lord Jesus, back to God. The point that comes across very clearly here, of course, is that there was an enemy causing all this and uh, God was going to deal with the enemy. God did deal with the enemy. And we rejoice in that tonight, don't we? If it were left to ourselves, we would uh, despair indeed as we think of the spiritual condition of the world in which we live. But we rejoice for the mighty victory that the Lord Jesus won at Calvary when he dealt with our terrible enemy, the devil. Uh, John tells us that Jesus came to uh, do away with the work of the devil. We get it in Hebrews chapter 2, we get it again in First John chapter 3 where we are told of the mighty triumph of the Lord Jesus in dealing with our terrible enemy. So we need not fear him. God has dealt with him. And so these people, they uh, realised that uh, folks had gone and they were able to uh, discover benefits for themselves and ultimately for others as well. We make a great discovery when we think of what the Lord Jesus said in John chapter 6 and verse 35 about being the bread of life that those who believe in him will never hunger and those who trust in him will never be thirsty. So there's food. They discovered food and that was a great benefit to them. They also discovered silver and gold and that would just remind us of Paul's great triumphant word in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 8. He says, I was sent to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. What a tremendous thing that is to to pause and to ponder that through the Lord Jesus, we are, our lives are riched with incalculable riches that will last for all eternity. So there was, there's food in the Lord Jesus of a spiritual sort, and we receive him, we imbibe him, if you put it that way, and the spiritual needs of our souls are met. We come to Christ and we enjoy the unsearchable riches of Christ. The Lord Jesus said to, in John chapter 10, he says, the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. And we see a lot of evidence of that around us. But then he said, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. And we are blessed in that. And it's a great thing to be able to go to men and women and uh, share with them what the Lord Jesus has done for us and what he can mean to us and what he gives us when we receive him into our lives with the result that our lives are immeasurably enriched for time and for eternity. There's certainly, the hymn was singing about raising uh, the wicked uh, with thoughts of the judgment's dread alarms, and that certainly comes into the gospel. But of course, I think it's good when we can make it appealing by offering people what the Lord Jesus offers them and points out, uh, point out to them that life can be so much the better when we know and trust the Lord Jesus. There was a third dimension to their discovery, of course. They discovered raiment. And you can just imagine these poor men, I guess, they were pretty well kitted out in rags when they got to this point in their own experience. If things were bad in the city, 
you can just imagine them in, in tatters and in rags. And you can imagine the amusement with which they would probably get these expensive garments that had been left behind and dressing themselves up and asking each other, how do I look now? Uh, we have been blessed too, haven't we? I was thinking of the scripture in Isaiah. It tells us, <coughs> Isaiah says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation and covered me with a robe of righteousness. We could never have kitted ourselves out like that, could we? And it's sad when people think they can and endeavour to uh, weave for themselves the spiritual fig leaves of good works in order to try and achieve uh, favour with God. So yes, great discoveries, supplies for the spiritual life of spiritual bread from heaven and uh, eternal riches in Christ Jesus and the garments of salvation with which we can appear before the Lord, the Lord in that robe of righteousness. Are we enjoying what we have in Christ? Do we revel in it? Is it something that uh, delights our hearts? The psalmist says, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good. And it's good for us uh, in our attempts to witness to others that we are well satisfied with Christ ourselves so that we can speak from personal experience of the blessings that we have in the Lord Jesus. But with all that privilege that we have in the Lord, there comes the responsibility as well, and that's the challenge there in verse, uh, verse 9. We don't do well. We are not doing right. This day is a day of good tidings. Thank God it is. It's a day of good tidings. But if we hold our peace, we are not doing well. It's one of the principles, spiritual principles of life that when God gives us something, it's in order to share it with others as well. And so it's our privilege to be challenged by a word like this. A day of good tidings indeed, the gospel day is still with us. Now is the day of salvation, the acceptable time. It hasn't passed yet. Think of the Lord Jesus when he was in the synagogue at Nazareth. And he, he read the scriptures there about what he had come to do in reaching out to needy people. And he says to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And praise God, that year hasn't ended yet. It will someday. It, it does end. It has ended for those who have been taken away, of course, because we know that salvation is something that's available only to us before we pass uh, out into eternity. But it's still available to those who are living and we want to share it with them and uh, bring them to know what we have come to know in the Lord Jesus. They were rebuking themselves. We are keeping it to ourselves. Uh, it's, been, it's good when we have the opportunity to share the good news with others. We know that people don't want to listen uh, these days, but uh, we've got a duty to perform. God told Ezekiel, you go and give them my message, whether they hear or they don't hear. We've got the responsibility, we've got the duty to pass it on to others, whether they will hear or they don't. It's a privilege, but it's also an obligation. How do we go about it? <clears throat> Perhaps it's something that we need to 
start our day with and ask the Lord for opportunities to share the Lord Jesus with others. I always remember Ed Neely telling us a story of he was on the journey between Victoria and Vancouver on the ship and he'd been asking God for an opportunity to speak to somebody about the Lord. He says, I was leaning over the, the rail of the ship and a man came up to me and he says, what do you know about God? <laughs> well, that was a, that was a, a gift, wasn't it? Uh, we, we would love to have more opportunities like that, wouldn't we? But there's a scripture that I find very challenging in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 24. <clears throat> if my memory serves me right, this was a scripture that came into my daily reading when I made my first journey to Nigeria and it challenged me then and it still challenges me. Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 11. Verse 10 is a challenge if we feel a bit faint-hearted at times. If you falter in times of trouble, how small is your strength? We'll not go into that. But verse 11, rescue those being led away to death. Hold back those staggering towards slaughter. If you say, but we knew nothing about this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who guards your life know it? Will he not repay each person according to what he has done? Rescue those being led away to death. Hold back those staggering towards slaughter. Very graphic language that, isn't it? You just get the picture of, of people in a, in a desperate situation. And here we are. We are able to stand between the living and the dead with the message that can change all that and bring them life instead of death and uh, introduce them to the Lord Jesus. Our folks back in Greenock will be doing that right now, or will have done that, as they have sought to share the gospel with people who are literally staggering towards uh, destruction because of the, the lifestyles that they have uh, entered into. And it's a, it's a privilege and it's a challenge to be able to speak to them and introduce them to the Lord Jesus and tell them it doesn't need to be this way. He is able. We can't do it, but our Lord Jesus can. And we can't pretend that we don't know, can we? He says, if you say we don't know anything about this, but does not he who guards your life know it? He weighs the heart. He perceives it. Will he not repay each person according to what he has done? So there's a there's a blessing in it when we do go. And uh, it's always a thought. I don't know. Not everybody enjoys knocking doors or standing in the street giving out leaflets. Some folks do get a lot of pleasure out of it. But we, we recognise that this is it's a spiritual battle. On, and uh, it would be wrong to use the word that we psych ourselves up for it. But we do lay, lay hold on the Lord when we want to do something like that. And when we do... And the Lord blesses us with a conversation or an opportunity that uh, uh, we feel that, that was worthwhile. And it's, it's a very rewarding experience. But even if we, if we don't do it, uh, don't get that feeling at the time, we recognise that God uh, uh, will, not, he, he will reward us according to what we have done. It takes courage, of course. It takes determination to keep on going on. Uh, 
even if we don't see any fruit from it or any results from it. A Christian lady stopped with me this morning in the town centre there and uh, was, uh, I, thought, I, I was going to say we were sharing together. She did all the sharing, telling me about she, she lives in Bramall and uh, I obviously belongs to a very active church there. But when I did get a word in edgewise, I was telling her about the little man in Australia, uh, in Sydney, Australia. If you go on YouTube, I believe you can still get it. What one man can do for God. The man had been converted from a very profitable life uh, and he covenanted with God that he would dedicate himself to spreading the gospel. He covenanted to witness to 10 people every day and apparently he used to stand in uh, George Street in Sydney and he would pounce out at somebody and say, here's a leaflet, uh, are you saved? If you died tonight, would, where would you be? And uh, it's quite a brave, a brave thing to do. I don't know whether he ever got attacked or not, but uh, that's what he did. And you know, that man did that for 40 years. So you can do your own sums 10 times, 365 times 40. Uh, that was some going to, to be faithful to his vow. Uh, I think I would have given up long before. But the interesting <coughs> thing was that he never knew until two weeks before he died, he never knew the impact of his witness. Well, <coughs> lots of lives were changed. One was an American sailor. He was, he was drunk. Uh, and this man's words really challenged him. He got saved. And later on, he was in charge of a thousand chaplains in the American Navy. Another man was a, an Indian uh, diplomat, and he was disturbed by the man's question. He went back home, he went to the Hindu priest and uh, asked him, he says, oh no, I can't tell you how to get peace, you go to the missionaries. And he got saved. And later on, he was in charge of hundreds of missionaries in northern India. At the last count, I think there was something up to almost 200,000 people who could trace their conversions back to this one man's witness. Tremendous dedication. I'd like to read Psalm 96 uh, and verse 1 and 2 with you there. That's a similar challenging exhortation to spread the gospel. Psalm 96 Verse 1 and 2. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. And here's the challenge. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvellous deeds among all peoples. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Wouldn't it be good if we could finish each day uh, recognising that we had an opportunity to do something toward the proclamation of the glorious gospel. So we just want to challenge ourselves afresh tonight and uh, ask how God can lead us into effective witnessing for him. We might never know, like that little man in, us, in Australia, we might never know the outcome down here of what a joy it will be to get home to glory and discover that we were links in the chain that God used us to bring somebody to faith in the Lord Jesus. 
the chapter we've read ends on a sad note, of course, because here was a man who didn't have faith, who didn't believe that God would or could open the floodgates uh, of heaven and pour out a blessing, and he perished as a result. And we know that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But if they don't act upon it, then, of course, there will be no benefit, no blessing to the unsaved. But our prayer is that they will hear, and they will believe, they will call upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved, and lives will be saved. I just want to underline the urgency of the whole thing again, of course, because time is swiftly passing by, and uh, it's just sad to think that before this day ends, multitudes, and people will give you the statistics, multitudes will pass out into eternity, uh, not having responded to the gospel. The greater tragedy, perhaps, is those that have never heard it at all. And Paul goes on in Romans chapter 10 to say, And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? And so our challenge is to pray that the Lord of the harvest will raise up able people who will go and tell in this day of good tidings.